Lando Norris gets the call wrong and plummets from first to seventh. Daniel Ricciardo comes home in fourth after a terrible pit stop and Max Verstappen goes from 20th to second. G'day there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we reviewed the Russian Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, the two Thomases, Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. And Campy. Hello there, mate. How you doing? Gentlemen, how are you? Yes, we're we're doing very well. A long day for Tommy T. uh, But look, he's he's here for some wonderful F1 action, aren't you, mate? Yep. Well, let's get uh, straight into it. Look, a massive shout out to you. If you're watching on YouTube, it probably means you've seen the notification that we were going live. Uh, which means you subscribed to the YouTube channel, which is fantastic, since yesterday's pre-drinks podcast, which if you haven't listened or watched to that yet, uh, you can go back and do that now as we talk about the Russian race beforehand. Uh, But we've had 25 people jump on the subs train from yesterday to today. So honestly, thank you. I really appreciate it. We are all doing it for the algorithm as I keep saying, which is fantastic. Uh, But also make sure you jump across to our Discord server. We have a great community, a great engaged community there as well. It was going off chops as always last night. And a massive shout out to you if you're from the Discord as well. Lads, we have some more five-star reviews, which is awesome. Uh, Quickly run through this and thank you to you if you've taken the time to write to us and leave a review. John Zal, five stars from Australia says witty laid back and insightful the perfect blend of knowledge and humor touching on the entire grid not just a sky sports british golden boys Probably. uh which is very true the best says uh cde in wdc well informed opinionated and funny these guys make formula 1 even more interesting like hanging out with the aussie mates the best f1 podcast going he's from the us a massive thank you to you mate would give 6 stars if i could says braden h89 this podcast is brilliant. It's great to hear an Australian perspective on F1. Quality F1 chat with an Aussie bent, says Tilly Willie, 13, who I think is from Wagga, from memory, from questions he's asked before. Uh, mate, thank you to you. You say relaxed yet informative. <laughs> More than one Tommy doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, we love that very much. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for, for leaving those reviews. Uh, now, It's an important part of this episode, which the fans have wanted back, uh, and I'm happy to bring it back for (laughs) them. They really want it it back. (laughs) Tommy T's television (laughs) broadcast review. Tommy T, tell us about the television broadcast. (laughs) Give us a review of it, maybe. I don't know. I both love and hate this because thank you for wanting it back, but also stuff you guys because now I have to watch more <laughs> Buddy Sky. <laughs> I feel like I have to pay attention. Um, oh, good. I've got a couple of notes. I I think I'm going to break it out into segments. I think there's just going to be one in the future, which is just crofty, stupid, idiotic quotes from throughout the weekend. The one I picked out <laughs> this week is as heavy force as meatloaf's lunch when describing <laughs> yeah. the breaking pressure for I can't remember who. What the hell kind of reference is that? <laughs> Bloody hell. Crofty's uh, just getting worse and worse, isn't he? Um, the whole thing. I think one of my favorite parts is getting to see the Aston Martin boys uh, run around in those old uh, Astons. DB5. That was excellent. Mm-hmm. Obviously doing some, sp- um, some promo stuff for the new Bond movie, which is coming out. But to see Seb 
in that uh, old DB5, I think. Obviously, not an actual DB5. That thing's a, a very movie-ready kind of action-style one because I'm pretty sure it didn't come with a hydraulic handbrake. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but it was excellent. Seb is way better, way better than um, Lance Stroll as a Bond, so that's that's good news. Um, also, <laughs> Brun- Brundle can still drive too. Brundles looked very relaxed, didn't he? He he wasn't very like and it like Stroll was scrambling at the wheel and kind of Brundle just looked very cruisy, didn't he? When he was trying to drift that thing. I said this on Discord la- the Discord last night. It does not do any credibility for Stroll's driving ability. It doesn't. He, the guy was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because he gets driven around his whole life. He only drive the only car he drives is an F one car. Yeah. Um. I really enjoyed seeing Daniel Kvyat on the uh, the grid walk. Yes. That was excellent. Obviously, we were back in Russia, um, but he's there as a reserve driver for Alpine at the moment. Um, but he kind of hinted at trying to get back into some kind of Formula One in 2023 when a seat might be available. But he's just staying hungry, I think. And as Campy's pointed out, he probably didn't deserve to lose his seat to some of these young rookies. So who knows? Could uh, Could see him back. Um, but he was great. He was better than Damon Hill, who was interviewing him, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, no good. Not not about Damon. Sorry, mate. Um, and lastly, the ballerina on a grand piano is better than a national anthem, I think. <laughs> Just <laughs> Okay. <laughs> is this is this the same kind of rules at the Olympics where you're not allowed to play any kind of Russian national anthem, so you have yeah, to Yeah, well, because we were we went to Sochi in the Russian Automotive Federation, not oh. in Russia, because oh. of the doping ban of Russia's got for a couple of years. So we that's why right. Mazepin's been driving under the RAF flag. Which I'm not sure how the RAF actually feel about that with RAF being from it's, it's all right, because they just made the whole house car look like a flag anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. All right, so overall then, what's your score for the weekend? Oh, it's pretty average. I think it's probably a 7 out of 10. Jeez, that's a bit high. Jeez. Nah, 7 out of 10 is average, I think. 7, seven yeah. out of 10 is good. Look, we, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I missed Lazenby uh, for at least steering the ship in the right direction Laser. this weekend. <laughs> and i got to tell you, I just the, less, the least amount of Hill and Herbert oh. that I have to listen to, the better, Herbert quite honestly. It is. Uh, it's yeah. no good at all. That's that is true. Uh, any any points from you, Campy, for for the television broadcast? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed we didn't get to hear the uh, the minor key uh, national anthem, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the anthem I wait for all last for I wait for every year. Remember, uh, two years ago was it last year? Last year was excellent. Had the full. Uh, I think that was like fifteen uh, military personnel that. You know, their military choir. It was a beautiful thing. It was a touching moment, but uh, it was good. <laughs> well, we'll come back, I'm sure. Well, 7 out of 10 from Tommy T. Look, I'm going to give it probably 4.5 out of 10 because I was just not enjoying any of the commentary or talking at all. None of it was good this weekend. Uh, just a quick shout-out to those on the live stream, Hollandsworth and Tanner. Thank you for staying up in the US. Tanner in Dallas and Hollandsworth in Mississippi. Uh, great to have you here. You guys obviously must be in the US bin. Um, that's nice. Hux from Melbourne. Welcome. 
Um, Adam, did we watch the AFL Grand Final? I think we all did, didn't we? Nope. Um, that was no. Okay. What? Well, I think Tommy T did. Yeah, definitely. I was watching. The, uh, oh, well. I was watching the rugby. <laughs> One of the greatest games I've uh, seen in a while. New Zealand. Well, there you New go. Zealand, South Africa. Well, at least good. you were happy. There you go. At least you were happy. Uh, right. Well, we need to talk about the the key points of this race, boys, don't we? And the the biggest one before we even get to the next sort of slightly whinging point is Daniel Ricciardo uh, getting into P4 after what was a horrible, horrible pit stop. Uh, and he didn't really have a great enough start because of a lack of a slipstream of any one car. Um, overall, though, Tommy T, your thoughts on Daniel Rick's race and where he, you know, where he's, where he's ended yeah. up? I think the second phase of his start sucked, not because of his fault, because of just his positioning and what kind of happened around him. But he got off the line really well. He was doing everything he could. He kind of just got squeezed out and just lost that slipstream, unfortunately. But he made it up, made up for it, and he got back past Alonso, which I'm sure we'll talk about Alonso's antics on the opening lap. But oh, yes. Not sure what's going on there. Anyway, um, I think he did a great job. That late lunge that he did going into one of the final turns was awesome on Alonso. Um, on tyres that are barely warm, like you knew he was out there and he's a bit more of the old late-breaking Daniel Ricciardo, the last of the late-breakers as we love. Yeah, he said yes. post-race that he had to get off the gas um, because he wasn't in the slipstream. Once he got it like for that, you know, half a second or so, that whatever he wasn't accelerating, he just got absolutely swamped. But he did nothing wrong off the start really other than, you know, he was on the out, slightly on the outside of uh, yep. of Russell, which just compromised it, which just just pissed me off. It's all Russell's fault, isn't it? Oh, Russell shagged that whole race, really. Yeah, <laughs> he he had no place being that far up the grid, as we spoke about in the pre-drinks podcast. It was purely a right place, right time, on the right part of the track for him to get that position. Yep. Uh, and we saw signs and Norris just sail off into the summer, didn't we, Tommy T? <laughs> they did. Uh, whilst. Whilst Russell was was holding him up, and I guess that is one of the things about Sochi, which is not so good, is when he got stuck behind a couple of cars with or without DRS, it is very difficult to pass. Uh, and we know that these tyres, although we said in the pre-drinks podcast, Campy, didn't we, that it wasn't necessarily a tyre degradation circuit, but we did see a bit of deg because I think of them just trying to follow mm. so closely to each other to try and get a position uh, position back, which just worked against Daniel right from the beginning, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting. You saw Max come through the grid. Uh, sorry, come yeah, come come through the grid starting from last. Not so much because and the passes that he made, not so much because the car's so much better, but he had more downforce strapped onto that car so that he could break so yep. much later into those. It's particularly in the turn mm. four. I think I called it turn three yesterday, but turn four, that's where he made the majority yep. of his moves stick because he could just get off and the downforce would just, you know, and yep. the engine but braking. But you, you saw it in you saw it in the um, the other formulas, which we haven't even talked about yet. Whoops. Um, Oscar was making <laughs> great moves um, in F2. And you could see that those cars were set up way better to follow closer. They could break later. They could get – it was just way better racing, to be honest, watching around Sochi anyway. Um, those cars are set up way better. And hopefully that's what we're going to get with these new regs been able to follow closer, see closer racing. But like you said, I think they were trying to follow close during the race, but it just meant that they had to suffer the tire deg, which you usually wouldn't get at a place like Sochi like this. So, um, yeah, that's good. Well, we'll come to out, F2 it? and F3 in, in a second, but let's talk campy about Lando Norris <laughs> and what, <laughs> what happened 
at the very end of the race. Uh, all right, just go for oh, it. I'll just let you off. Look, the leash. he drove sensationally well all weekend. You know, to get past signs, to lead the race like he did. I think he probably would have held Lewis up if we. Uh, if the rain didn't show up, but hey, it's motorsport and that's what happens to the kid. It's a bit like Tommy Tan yeah. not wanting George Russell to score points. It's like, <laughs> uh, do you know how much I don't give a <laughs> how much Lando binned it last night and stuffed it up? <laughs> I could not care less. It put me to sleep better knowing that he didn't beat Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> and it's not because I don't, <laughs> it's not because I don't like him. It's not because I'm not, a, I'm saying he's driving well. I just don't care. Like, good on you. And he carried on like a Muppet. He's telling his engineers to shut up. Yeah, you can only do that if you're Kimmy rocking him. Um, yeah. His little British yeah. shut-up's a bit childish. And he almost broke him down into tears afterwards. Toughen up, mate. It's just a car race. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> you were the one that what stuffed it up, and then he tried to blame it on his team. Yeah, what his do team you had think, nothing to Tommy do with T? That. Yeah, his team had nothing to do with that. They said, like, mate, you've got to come in. He was like, no, nah, we're not doing it. And to be honest, hard spot to make that call. You're leading a race. You do not want to be the one making that decision. Because, because in hindsight, if he had have pitted, Hamilton could just follow him and probably do the same thing and then still have a crack at passing him. Or he could have stayed out. So at the time when it's just spitting, you don't know that the downpour was coming like it was. No, so I probably would have made the same decision, to be honest. I'm like, I'm leading the race. I'm net positive. If I can just hang on for these last couple of laps, I think most people would have done that leading a race. I think it's pretty hard. We saw Hamilton end up on the grid by himself for a similar situation. Yeah. The pressure to make that call from the very start is from the very front is very, very hard. And, yeah. um, but he's got to wear it. Like end of the day, he made the call against what the team was kind of recommending. So I don't think he can kind of turn around and blame them to be honest. No, and look, even Paul DeResta and Manus is going to be stoked that I've even mentioning Paul DeResta here, but Paul DeResta said it very well in that, you know, your head's in the helmet. Obviously, it's in the cockpit. That's all you've got. But the team has heaps of people who has yeah. access to all of the data, who can see the rain and everything else that's going on. Uh, and really, you should be able to trust in what they're saying. Now, the difference is when... When Lando said no in the way that he said it to to his poor race engineer, who Which was is probably F like, off. Okay, um, have fun out there. You're gonna crash uh, next minute, thirty seconds later, and he crashed. Um, but Hamilton followed him, and Hamilton even said in the, in the um, press ring afterwards with Lando sort of next to him, they had this weird little interchange that he said, "Yeah, you know, I saw you staying out, so I stayed out with you." But and the team tried to call me in. We saw the mechanics go into the pit lane, yep. didn't we, for for Mercedes as well as for McLaren to try and cover this off. But both of them stayed out. Hamilton just ignored Bono, and Bono around the track basically went. Now it's pretty cute that you're a world champion, multi seven time world champion, and it's great that you're about to win hundred races probably. But can you just come into the box, please, mate? Because we probably know what we're talking about here. So he had a lap of going, okay, whatever, and then came in, listened, and then you know we obviously saw how yep. that played out. I mean he wasn't that far behind Lando when he came out uh, of the pits on those inters, uh, only a couple of corners, and he managed to gob him up pretty quickly with that with that error that, that Lando made. So, you know, is this a maturity thing, Campy? I think 100% it is. It's just he hasn't had this experience of this pressure, uh, and he thinks he's maybe going to be a bit of a hero by making a Brad Binder, which is a MotoGP reference for Austria this year, oh, yeah. kind of call to try and win 
the race, even though that was the wrong decision. Yeah, look, I just uh, – immaturity, I don't know. I just think it's experience. You know, he should be more experienced to rely on the team. I mean, Lewis did it once, but he thought better of it the second time. I mean, it, you can deny it once with a bit of gap and – yeah, I think Lewis, I think Lando will learn from it. I think next time that he goes to make his own decision, that well, the team knows better than me. Sometimes, in saying that, we applaud drivers when they go against their team and they get it right at times. Um, think to what was that race last year where we saw the slick, the hard, the sorry, the intermediates or the hards turn into slick tires by the end of the race just yeah. because of the. Um, where we were, I can't remember which race it was, but you know, I mean, Stroll pitted when he probably shouldn't have, and Lewis Hamilton went on to win that race. I just remember seeing those tyres, and I was like, "This is crazy." Um, anyway, we applaud them when they get it right, and we laugh at them when they get it wrong. But <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> like hopefully next time, for my sake, anyway, next time the team says tell Lando to do something, it's wrong. I mean, He's in, he's in a third mind next time that situation comes up. Oh, the team was wrong last time. I was wrong the first time. Jeez, it's 50-50 yeah. here. I've got to get right. And he goes for himself when he's uh, wrong. Yeah, you know, but yeah. Um, oh, look, it's motorsport. That's what, what a cracking race. I'm, oh, I remember with about seven laps to go, I, remember, I just remember saying to myself, Lewis Hamilton is going to get at least one chance to pass Lando and he's got to do it. And boy, was I wrong about... You know, as soon as Russell came on and said, uh, rain in turn five, I was just like, oh, here we go. And I just, oh, <laughs> that's why we love this sport sometimes. It just weather throws up this. Yes. I didn't I didn't think it was going to happen, you know. We talk about rain all the time and 99% of the time yep. it never comes. Or this yep. whole race we're talking about rain, it's almost here. It's not, it's not going to get it. Yeah. I was shocked that it came. And when it came and came down as it did, I was like, how good is this sport? And it's exactly the right amount. You want mixed conditions. It's like, okay, there's jeopardy of which tyre choice do you go with and then for it to change significantly so quickly in like a lap. For Lando, it changed in a lap that it went from no spray to a lot of spray uh, and it throws everything on its head again, as you say. It's why we love it. You know what I was worried about the most? I was worried about someone binning it, red flagging the session, and Lando still gets the win because of the last lap that was classified. He was in front. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I can see it happening now. <laughs> oh, I was like, come on. My heart was in my mouth until. I've, I reckon I've softened. I was hoping, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, I hope it does kind of get yellow flagged or something and they're just behind a safety car or something so he can get it, but. It wasn't to be. I wonder if this will actually be good for him long-term in his career to have these kind of so close moments oh. to make it. So we saw Daniel when he was early on as well. He was so close so often. And then those wins that he finally got or something like what happened in Monaco and then finally getting to win Monaco, how much more special that was. Yes. Things like things like that I think is going to actually help Lando in his long-term career rather than just it coming super easy to him and then just taking it for granted. Still, so we'll see. Still he had a river drive. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Still hasn't won a race. He put it on a pole in mixed conditions. Do it in the dry and I might give you a little salute <laughs> when you're actually straight up against everyone else. He's still not that good in my books. Love it. Well, look, <laughs> McLaren were, and we'll talk about this in our team-by-team team analysis, but McLaren were a far shot away from the amazingness that they brought to Monza as a team as a whole. 
including pit stops and strategy and everything else, but we will get to Can it. Can I just say, let's, I, let's, think, I think sure. strategy-wise, I think what we saw is we saw – normally we were saying the fastest cars get out the front and they're able to build a gap to the cars behind them so that they can pit whenever they want and they're not being held up by the rest of the field. I think this yep. race, people are going to look over time and time again throughout this year to get an understanding for next year if we're not having cars, uh, uh, you know – we're having cars fairly close on the racetrack. I mean, this was a nightmare for the fronts to pit and then come out, lose traction behind everybody else. It's it's almost a bit more like IndyCar in that sense. They're hesitant to pit all the time when, mm. you know, when they come back out in, 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 in traffic, they, you know, they have to get the moves done on track, which I think uh, – F1's not set up like that. We can't pass on every track that we go to. It's really difficult with sometimes. So I think next year, I think a lot of teams will be studying this race and trying to figure out moving forward the best way to approach some of these races where not necessarily the fastest car on the grid is up front and holding everyone else up. Fastest grid on the car for sure. Fastest grid agree. on the car. Uh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the headache. Um, I'm bloody rambling a bit. Bloody hell. Let's let's talk about the junior formulas, Tommy, properly because it was a good time for Australians. It was indeed. Uh, two I out didn't, of three, not bad. I've got to confess, I didn't watch Jack Doohan's win, um, but he, he won. He still won, from though. Pole. Bloody good. Stop. Good on him. Yeah. But I did watch Oscar's race, and he was outstanding from yeah. the start. He was comprehensive in that. He, um, he came back through after his pit stop. He was on the winning strategy, which was what, like super soft to, I suppose, their version of hard, basically, isn't it? What do they call them? Yep. But um, yep. the option. He was he was spot on, wasn't he? He was coming through the field, just picking apart everyone in front of him and then just managing from the front like so mature, like unbelievably mature. And he is walking away with that championship at the moment. There's only two rounds oh. left. Pretty sure yeah. it's Jeddah and Yas, Yas Queen. Yas. Um, Yas. Yas. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out. Use that as a drop. Oh, Thank you, yeah, James. Because <laughs> he doesn't even know the reference as to no. what we're doing. He's just gone off in his own. He'd be mortified, what's, wouldn't what's he? What's the reference? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, yeah, back it. to Oscar. But he's, uh, he's really making his case now for that last seat. We still don't think it'll happen, but he's been absolutely pantsing Joe for this last half of the season. He had like a bad race at the start of the year, his first round, and that was it. Other than that, he's been in the points consistently, qualifying really well, and the only time that Joe's making points back, like we mentioned yesterday, is in through those sprint races where the grid's reversed. So I'd be be looking at how young he is and just going, that's the guy I want in my car. I said last night on the Discord, I don't remember a race other than Baku where Joe's looked any good. Yeah. Yep. He's always been behind and fighting in the mid-pack. Baku, he pulled ahead and he, he, you know, he gapped Piastri by seven or eight seconds, like, you know, back, like face-to-face on track, you know, uh, Piastri yep. behind him. But that's the only time he's looked good all year. And I just think he doesn't warrant an F1 drive. Not after, you know, three seasons in F2 or two seasons now. Three, yeah. I think. Anyway, when you're getting spanked by a rookie, I mean, the other one we need to shout out is Theo Paul as well. I mean, he's driving exceptionally oh, for a rookie. Which they had yeah. the battle and, for the championship in F3, last year. Didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I think Paul Chair is probably, in my mind, ahead of 
Well, Joe getting sued in F1, but who knows? Mm. But he, and he's also part of the Sauber Junior Driver Academy, so yeah. that makes sense <laughs> for for yeah. him, you know. But he's not quite ready yet. I don't think they're ready to make that jump. Mm. Look, it's an interesting conundrum, isn't it? There is now thirty six points separating Joe and Piastri, and as you, as we've just all three of us now saying, there is no way in my mind that the Jeddah and, and Yath. Queen Marina Island, there you go, Campy, there's a sneak of a reference, um, that he can do anything because Oscar has this just cool, calm, collected ability to drive this car with no distractions. Yep. And I haven't seen, and pressure. you know, someone drive in F2 like this for a very long time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like others have been good and, of course, you know, Russell and, and Leclerc and everyone else have been good, but Oscar's got this style of this, almost nonchalantly gets through and absolutely smashes out of the park each weekend. Look, two rounds to go, Piastri on for a victory, and, of course, with only one seat left in Alfa Romeo. Geez, Fred Vasseur's got a lot of, to think about because, you know, there's potential. Obviously, Mark Webber is Oscar Piastri's manager, yep. so there's potential for Mark to find some sponsorship too. If, if, that's, if it's money is the thing, maybe that's what happens. We come down to it and, and Oscar can bring his HP Tuners Melbourne-based company all the way to the, the big Love legs it. on the side of an Alfa Romeo, yep. hey? Uh, that would be a good vibe. Uh, all right, boys. Well, let, let's talk about all of the teams, shall we? Uh, in our team-by-team team analysis, as we always do, we'll start at the very back with Haas. And uh, Mickey Schumacher did unfortunately not have a good weekend at all. He ended up with a DNF and Mazepin in 18th. Boys, did you see much of what was going on with them I on track? Because I did nothing. <laughs> mm. I, nothing at all. The thing that summed it up for me was qualifying. Mazepin was about five seconds behind Schumacher in the wet. And I thought that and- says it absolutely all it needs to say about Mazepin in the sport. And all the build-up for his home race, and as Crofty actually pointed out quite well, a 1,000 kilometres away from his actual home uh, was where he was supposed <laughs> to be doing well because he has in the past been okay at this track. He couldn't put it together whatsoever. And, yeah, Schumacher, even though he DNF'd, I still think had a better weekend. So, yeah, well, and because everyone just likes him and likes when his race engineer gets on the radio because we're like, oh, can we just hear more audio, please? Please continue to talk. I just, yeah, I'm falling asleep to the sound <laughs> of how amazing you are. Um, should get him on a podcast do just that. so we can just encourage him to talk. And just We can do one up, of those like go to sleep episodes and you just put it on <laughs> if you're like having trouble falling asleep. <laughs> Someone <laughs> said to me the other day they put on the podcast to go to sleep. How dare you? It's like... Not sure how I feel about you sleeping to camp. <laughs> it's, it's, I suppose so it is weird. white noise, let's be honest. It's, it's, <laughs> you two are the so I'll give you the that is, that is the 13th time. That's the third. We've only got 30 more times in this one podcast. Uh, but, yeah, for Hass, we, as we say, each weekend, now it's all about 2022. Uh, as we said in the, in the pre-drinks podcast, both of these drivers are now confirmed. Uh, which is a thing, I guess. Ugh. It's neither here nor there, really, for this team. Gross. Um, until William Story takes it over and turns it into <laughs> rich energy, rich ass, <laughs> rich ass energy, rich ass. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> oh, potentially created a monster. Alpha Tauri. This was not a good weekend for either of them. I think Sonoda, as we know, has been resigned and was confused at that decision because uh, he's crashed a lot. He came in 17th and Pierre Gasly in 13th. 
also just didn't have a good race. And I think for for these guys, this is where the, the part of the pack that really suffered the most campy with not being able to get past tire degradation, trying different pit stop strategies, and just being caught up with uh, over you know overtaking traffic from the leaders. But for Gasly, this is a very rare performance for him starting and then finishing so low. Yeah, look, he's compromised by qualifying, really, you know, on this track. Uh, I mean, he was close. He was within 10 seconds of where he wanted to be. But, you know, there's five or six cars in the way that probably shouldn't have been where he was compared to how quick he was in qualifying. Uh, but things happen in the wet and mixed conditions. That's what happened. Yuki Sonoda for me, why on earth would you give that guy another year? He has mm-hmm. been, he performed really well in round one. We thought, oh, geez, this kid might be good. No, absolute. <laughs> No. <laughs> Rubbish. No consistency whatsoever. Oh, in a far better car uh, uh, than what the Haas guys are driving. Uh, so, yeah. Red Bull, I'll tell you what. At the top, they're good. They've got Maximus Verstappen. Perez is a good C driver. I, I, I thought I'd elevate him C. last year, but he's a B-grade, C-grade driver. I'll tell you what. Yuki Sonoda is probably one of the worst drivers we've seen in Formula 1 so far. Or he's having a worse year than uh, Mazepin. Get rid of him. Yeah. It's a shame. They've ruined another career. We don't want to say it, but hey, suck it up, move on. And, uh, yep. Yeah, but, I mean, as you say, like, it's different, right? Because you've got Gasly who's consistently putting it in sixth and, you know, in the points, so that's good. Yeah, but this dude's getting knocked out of Q1. Exactly. Sonoda's nowhere near. So the difference between Mazepin and and him is that Mazepin's in a terrible car, you know, and spinning around and doing whatever, but we don't know what he would be like if he was in a a car that is competitive like that. Sonoda has shown, yeah, a little bit of spark to begin with, maybe while everyone else was sorting themselves out for the car. After he had two weeks of testing at that track. Exactly. And now it's nowhere to be seen. And we've got people, you know, like Armstrong and Schwartzman and Piastri and Others who I think are more talented, who are not able to get into a seat because of this situation with Honda and whatnot, that yeah. is just difficult to to stomach. And I know Red Bull fold is is interesting, but put the Kiwi in, put Marcus in. Like I genuinely think, Campy, don't use that he would have a better time in that seat next year. Hey, why don't they? Why don't they last five races go right? We're going to throw it up to our juniors, and you get one race weekend each. And if you don't, <laughs> if you perform, you get a roll, you get a drive next year. It'd be great for us, the fans, because you know we, we there's a new something to talk about every week, and yeah, you know they really get to put every single one of their juniors in pole position to get that get that uh, get the drive for next year. But they won't do it because. I mean, Honda. Well, they've made the decision, oh, so they don't need to, right? But actually, that's not a bad idea. That's that's campy when he's the future director of driver talent for Red Bull. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the right DJ. way to go about it, but at least <laughs> I would be honest enough to come out and say, yeah, look, that probably wasn't the most well-thought-through decision, but, hey, it was good for the fans, so suck it up and move yeah. on. Well, no one's perfect. These pricks are all about covering their ass and their public image and making sure they look good to the rest of the world. Give me a break. Well, get it right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And for, for the, the whole decision around Sonoda for next year is interesting because this year made sense because of the Honda deal. Got it. Understood. There yep. must be something else in terms of Honda's involvement in Red Bull engines next year that we don't know about yet that is consistent around that kind of decision well, there, making. Well, there is some movements on that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Okay. 
No, I don't think Honda will be. I don't think Honda will be part of the sport. I think that Red Bull engine technology will actually partner with someone from the uh, the Volkswagen group, so the Porsche or Audi, and that will be the next manufacturer um, that we get into the sport. There was a meeting Not that was bad had. About it. There was some meeting that was had a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes. Because the, they're trying to get well, – the problem with their fund is they're trying to get a couple more ma- or one more manufacturer onto the grid, right, to disperse the load off Mercedes and their, who they're supplying engines to. The problem they're having is that in the new Concord agreement they bought in last year, they capped it at a $300 million entry fee to get into the sport, which made it near impossible because the existing teams were trying to cover their asses and the um, – cover the uh, the profits uh, and the revenue sharing agreement that they had for the next five years. Now, what they've decided to do after 25 and 26 is actually remove the MGUH out component of the engine, which is where all, you know, they spend all the time and all the money and that's the highest developed technological part on the car. They're getting rid of the MGUH, so it's going to be easier for another manufacturer to step in after this c- Concord agreement that we signed last year comes into play in 25-26, which opens the door for Red Bull to partner with one of these organisations. I think it'll probably be Porsche because of what they've done in the Le Mans 24-hour and World Endurance Championship over the last few years, and it's the only logical step for that Volkswagen group to get into F1. Yeah, yep. and it brings across Mark Webber, who, as we know, works at Porsche and does you know significant work for them. They'd bring a brains trust of an interesting situation for yeah. that to see, and we would love to see it absolutely. Yep. And then Tommy T's car would finally have some Formula One pedigree, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, no, do I explain that, that all right? Does everyone sort of follow the chain of thought there? No, exactly. And I think so. It's been mentioned as well that. Lance Stroll's been pretty public talking about how it's going to work and he sees it a bit more like American sport with the new media <laughs> deals which they're drawing up where a, a team will be be just increasing in value but there's only a finite amount of teams. So just say Williams want to sell, it'll actually have a far greater value one day to sell to one of those manufacturers because there is only 10 teams and it's a finite mm. thing. Whereas at the moment, a new team can enter willy-nilly, whereas if you can come in, buy an existing team and take it over, there's real value. And these new media deals we'll see coming forward with Liberty doing way more and the American market opening up, you'll see so much more money coming in from the media side of things that these billionaires will want to own Formula One teams, not just as a toy, but as an actual profitable machine, which is what Big Daddy Stroll has seen so far. And the only reason he's getting Aston to the place he wants it because he's like, I want the cool one that looks like this and does that because when this happens, I'm in prime position to just be making money. Yeah. So that's a, that's well another said. factor of it. Both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Aston Martin, shall we? Because uh, Sev Vettel, 12th, Lance Stroll, 11th, they had a bloody collection almost of each other in the yeah. last couple of laps in the race. Campy, thoughts on Aston for this weekend? Oh, look, I thought Stroll's start was Epic! I thought we we're going to see one of his one in uh, one in how many races? Now? One in a year <laughs> races now this weekend. <laughs> um, great start! I mean, he held up. He held up Danny Rick behind. Uh, he was he, he was behind uh, Russell at the start too. So um, yeah, look, I think he would be pretty happy with his first stint and where the car was, but they pitted way too early. Um, 
I think they were trying to make that two-stop work because of the way that the race was panning out, getting stuck behind Russell and Carlos and uh, Lando up front. So Stroll would be a bit frustrated. I think he raced Vettel way too hard. They made contact and they got away with it. I think Seb would have been pretty shitty. <laughs> Yeah. If I'm honest about that whole sequence of events, but he would, Seb would have been frustrated with his weekend away as well because he's qualifying in 11th place. So uh, I think he started 10th in the end because of Bottas uh, taking that grid penalty. Um, yeah, look, I just think Seb, again, they're not cutting it. They're not where they should no. be and where that team was yeah. this time last year. They were, you know, they were consistently fighting for podiums and if not wins. And uh, for them to, Stuff it up this month, this year on track so badly. I mean, Seb's had some good results, but yeah, I yeah. think it's pretty frustrating. This is what happens when you copy the homework from the wrong test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they're stuck with it. They're Should have gone They changed this. They changed they the develop. questions and answers halfway That's through it. the test. And, yeah. Yeah. and they can't Red develop this current. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then they can't continue to develop on something that they didn't start. Do you know what I mean? They don't understand yeah. it enough to kind of continue with that thinking. So I think they're just stuck until next year. Maybe they're just yep. consolidating now and they're just going to focus on new regs. I don't think but, they've got much more to play for because they are slipping drastically back through those uh, driver, the constructors standing, sorry. Um, they're, they're not really close to the AlphaTauri and Alpine kind of fight for that other position. So they might as well just let it go. They will handily beat Alpha Williams and Ha. so... They've got nothing for, left to play well, for as far as points, you know what I mean? For these guys, though, I think you're right, Tommy. They're so focused on next year. I mean, Lance, uh, Lance Stroll, Daddy Stroll has just announced the Aston Martin campus. He's even yeah. changed the name. It's not even just, you know, the factory. It's now a campus where so learned people American come to style. spend their money. Uh, okay, there you go. Carlos. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're calling it the Carlos Renault campus. Uh, but But... The investment, clearly not in this year. Couldn't care less. Don't, not no. interested. You know, let's put the bond delivery on a car and let's get, you know, Daniel Craig yeah. in the fact, sorry, in the campus. And that's fine. And that's cool. But these guys have the cash, clearly, and the backing, you know, talking yeah. about the team's structure and, you know, Doralton Capital and this, you know, the, the takeover of what was Racing Point now, Aston Martin, are the two yep. very recent examples of external firms coming in and yes. making a significant investment and difference to how the future looks. Mm. I mean, absolutely Racing Point was great to see some, you know, really great results for them and for Sergio Perez and for Lance Stroll for, for pole positions last year. But for this year, obviously the car's totally different because of the rule changes. They couldn't copy Mercedes as much as they had done. So as you say, put it in the bin for the rest of it. Focus on building the campus. Yep. Go around saying Carlos a lot and Renault <laughs> and then just focus on next year because... You yep. would honestly, at their position right now, you would be. It would be ridiculous to be investing any more into this year. For sure, it'd be a waste, absolute and, waste. You should and be as we're every about dollar to, on next year. And as we're about to talk about Williams as well, in the same token, I think these two teams, with their recent investment, with kind of where they're positioned, are looking good going into new regs, like we've seen so many manufacturers do. Like, look at when Red Bull came into the hybrid era and they just like shot, like. Mm -hmm crazily and like Seb at the end of his era kind of there or Lewis in this era we see a lot of these teams just kind of seemingly come out of nowhere in new regs I think these two would be ones to watch because of the way they're positioned with financial backing with kind of how they're set up with new kind of ideas and they're not kind of set in their ways and oh we've been dominant as Mercedes so we'll continue to be dominant just assuming you will I think these two have the right attitudes 
going into the future with completely new regulation. So I'd be very interested to see it. And we've already started to see it from Williams just with how they've been operating this season. And I can I just say too, you know, cost caps. I thought it was going to be much easier for these teams that uh, didn't spend a lot on going racing. It was going to be a lot easier for them to make up performance on track as opposed to the big teams because how much they spent and how much their investment was to get pace on track. I must have been significantly out on my assessment of how much these teams actually spent to go racing every year. If they've been able to adapt and change their whole, uh, you know, philosophy on money for the teams and they still haven't really changed a lot on the surface. So, you know, maybe the cost cap thing's a whole lot of bullshit. We just don't really know. Maybe maybe the top end of teams are only spending that 150 anyway. Yeah. So. And we will see next year, won't we? Really, I mean, because – this is a more of a difficult time, wasn't it, to try and find these cost cap, budget cap things because the car's fairly similar to last year. So yep. you yep. really have to spend that much. Well, let's talk about Williams, boys, because it was unfortunate Latifi didn't end up finishing. Something went wrong. I didn't end up mm. seeing what actually happened to him. But Russell in 10th, which is annoying for you, Tommy T, is a one point away, one Set place 11. away from the points. Uh, but he held up everyone. I mean, look, fair play in a much slower car still defending from the likes of Danny Rick and yep. Lance Stroll who were in faster cars. So yep. fair play, George, but you like, can you just get out of the way, mate? You have no place being that far up the grid and you're ruining Daniel's race. <laughs> That's all I could think about. Oh, no. Get out of it. Wait till next year oh, where you're going to be in the mid-pack he's a, anyway with Mercedes. He's a good qualifier, isn't he? he just, he's got it together. He's, oh, he's really, really good. Williams is setting up that car. He's lucky. Williams is setting that, that car up for quality, aren't they? Full credit. He, he is lucky, I think, Campy, but also like that was a ripping – Ripping lap to get into third, he took the risk. He did the right things to get well, that opportunity did. to get more more opportunity on the soft. So you got to give him that credit. But that car is useless over a race distance. <laughs> oh, yeah, bloody hell! Head, the, yeah. the only thing it's got going for it is that it is very aerodynamic and slippery on the straights. In that respect, it's not well, high they, downforce. It they set it, it up just so flies on those. But you know what I mean? It's slippery in comparison yeah. to where it should be on the on the. And it's powered uh, by Merck. You know, he and had, that's it. It was yeah. him, Lance Stroll, powered by Merck, Daniel Ricciardo, powered by Merck in, in a yeah. row. And There's Hamilton. no wonder that no one was <laughs> getting played. And Hamilton, like, powered by Merck, you know, and then I yeah. think there was um, Perez behind. It was the first non-Merck-powered car. You yeah. know, it's, it's, a good, it's a good advert for Mercedes engines, I suppose, as much yeah. as Lewis Hamilton did an ad at the very end <laughs> saying, so great to see my, my former team, McLaren, powered by Mercedes. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> all right, mate. Jeez. All right. We well, get it. No, it's all right. Oh, he's um, done the media Latifi, for long enough. Yeah, yeah, right. That's great. I re- you know what? I genuinely respect really for like that one. Lewis that was Hamilton. One. I really like Lewis Hamilton and it's really annoying me. Um, Latifi, yeah. Look, he's showing great promise, isn't he, Campy? And as we've said just before, with Doralton Capital at the wheel now and steering ahead of 2022, we've got the nicest grid on the team with Alex Albon <laughs> and yep. with uh, Latifi rather for next year. What can we really expect from him in the, in the last couple of races? Because I mean, he is now showing pace that he can potentially outqualify George. Oh, he was hands down going to outqualify George this weekend. Uh, unfortunately for him, 
look what happened. You know, they retired his car after Q uh, in Q2. He didn't set a lap yep. in Q2 because they just wanted to ensure that he started in front of uh, Charles Leclerc or Max Verstappen. In saying that, I mean, I think what we can see from him for the rest of the year, I just think, I just think, don't worry about races. I mean, they're not racing for points every weekend. If he gets a couple here and there, great for him. I don't think he will. I think he needs to out qualify Russell at least 50-50 from now to the rest of the year. So how many races left? Seven. So yep. he'd be targeting four qualifying wins, and it'll just that'll just mean he's just making that step to where he needs to get to. Russ, Russell's formidable in qualifying, but um, I think he'll be able to lead that team and hand-in-hand hand with Albon next year. I think they've got a pretty – Again, we don't know. They've got a pretty good lineup. Again, we don't know a lot about Russell. I mean, he looks like he's good, but uh, Latifi's been pretty good this year in comparison. I know he hasn't out qualified yeah. him as much, but he's close and he's getting closer. He's nipping he's at those closer. heels. The gaps yeah. come down from five tenths to three tenths to now. It's pretty consistently within a tenth and a half, which is passable and comparable for F1 drivers up against their teammates these days. Any more than that tenth and a half, you start to go, oh, shit. Where am I today? So I uh, know he's killing it. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy to see it, and I'm really looking forward to next year. Like I really am for for that Williams team, new regs, lots oh. of investment, new good, both of them good drivers in their own right. No, yep. you know, dodgy pay driver in sight. I'm here for it. Yep. I'm I'm ready to get back on the Williams train, like McLaren. You know, yep. it's, they're ready. They're primed to be that kind of next McLaren. Yep. Um, in in that journey, Alfa Mayo. Did, can, did anybody at any point in the broadcast mention that Kimi Raikkonen, A, wasn't suffering from long COVID, B, was in the points in an Alfa Romeo, for goodness sake? He came eighth, Giovinazzi 16th. Gio's gone, sorry. Uh, you know, Italian Jesus, fantastic, but that's it for, for him. Yeah. Performance haven't been there, but the guy who's retiring, finishing in eighth, Campy, all hail Kimmy or oh, not? Oh, I love Kimmy. You know what? Yeah. Comes back, gets cast <laughs> some questions on Thursday. You know his response was? I just want to do my job. Leave me alone. <laughs> He's amazing. He's his best. Instagram, his Instagram story whilst leaving Russia was went to Russia, got points too. That's it. That's Amazing. the whole story. Is a photo of a plane or something? Uh, he's, he's, he's outstanding. He's a great performer. Great media performer. But we just didn't. He, we didn't see or hear anything yet again in the broadcast about him. And maybe you know, television director who works at Formula One. And yes, they're not Sky Sports. F one doesn't have control over what the broadcast shows, but you certainly have control over what you talk about, Paul DeResta. Uh, and it's unfortunate that a guy who is great at the sport is the last Ferrari world champion. Can we just remember, please? Yep. yep. No one's talking about him. He <laughs> yep. had COVID. You know, Kubica came in for, for two weekends and did a mega job. Hardly spoke about him either. Yep. It's just getting worse. It kills me. And Sauber, Alfa Romeo, you know, we are watching them closely because of you know what Giovinazzi is going to be doing next year if he's driving or not or moving to reserve capacity yep. and mm. what Bottas has got to look forward to, you know. And he's, uh, he's an Australian much like, you know, our favourite, I don't know, Russell Crowe. He's adopted as an Australian. So we want Russell him to Russell Crowe's well. a Kiwi, isn't he? I know, but we adopted him as an Australian, is my point. Exactly. Much like VB. Uh, but yeah, for, for Kimmy, fantastic result. Very, very glad for him. Hopefully, for the next seven races, if we get all seven, um, he can put that alpha in the points. I think that's a, a good way to see out his for sure. amazing double F1 career. Alpine, Fernando Alonso, like, Bloody just hell. can just stop it with your bad self because you're just making me too excited. Sixth position in that car. 
uh, Esteban Ocon fifteenth. Uh, so like Alfa Romeo, the old dog doing it to them, and the young guy maybe not so much. But Tommy T, talk to me about your thoughts on Alonso. I haven't read anything about what he did with his start, but he premeditated that, didn't he? I'm not wrong in thinking that. Oh, he, apparently he did he it, did in, it uh, in his, his formation lap. <laughs> yeah. He premeditated how quick can I get through this polystyrene bloody cone thing <laughs> and just whip through because he gained about three places. He he just had no desire. He's like, lap one, they're not going to call it, are they? Bloody nah. a D to call <laughs> it. Dare you to call me for something on lap one. He's like, I was avoiding contact. What are you going to do about it? And he just whipped around the outside. He's like, ignored that chicane completely. I mean, full credit to him. Like, that's a bloody good loophole if he's found one. That is such I'm an Alonso thing that. to do, and I'm here for it. Oh, Carlo, Carlo tried the exact same thing last year. <laughs> he he saw that how that turned out. He missed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, Alonso's. He's just he's hilarious, isn't he? I love it. Uh, but no, he was, he was bloody outstanding. So good as well. Yeah, well, look, we, we love we love seeing him drive, obviously. We love that he's in Alpine next year. You know, I think really they should get rid of Ocon and put Piastri in that seat next to Alonso. Could you imagine that pairing of Piastri and Alonso? The young Oscar Piastri learning all of the mischief that would come from Fernando Alonso. Oh, I just, I mean, talk about a career Kickstarter. That would be it. Um, Esteban Ocon in 15th. He had some pace at some point during the race. I think he was just caught out when he went to Inters and everyone else did at the same time. He's every race. Yeah, I mean, everything except for Hungary. And he only won Hungary because, again, it was just slightly wet and no DRS and no one could get past or Seb couldn't get past. Uh, Williams held up uh, the whole, uh, it was Latifi that held up the whole pack for him, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, both the Williams yeah. both did that, didn't they? Just Ugh. created DRS. At least they're trains. both consistent, I guess. God, yeah. I'm starting to hate Williams again. <laughs> <laughs> that that didn't take long. <laughs> Send the marker. It's only four minutes. Uh, okay, well, yes, Alpine, Fernando Alonso here for it. Fantastic result for him. Sixth position, good points haul for them uh, in their fight, inevitably with Ferrari. So if they can continue to perform like that, you know, we just need to see Ocon getting the points for them to be able to pick that fifth. Uh, place. Uh, what do you reckon? Before fourth. we move on from Alpine, what do you mm. reckon about mm-hmm. Oscar getting a, a test drive and coming in P one and out outdoing um, Ocon's times? I reckon we oh. we have definitely to definitely see that. The problem is, in order for that to be able to happen, Alonso would have to give up his seat for Piastri to do that. I don't know if he would. To be He's honest, P ones. He, he doesn't care about tests. He just loves driving a Formula One car. I think now. Well, maybe you're right. He I don't know. He gave up for Joe earlier in the season. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, I think you're right. It would be interesting to see. I mean, you're always going to praise, aren't you, the junior driver more if they do two tenths off. I think that's probably the the margin, isn't it, Campy, where we're talking in terms of that kind of raw pace and those extra two tenths are often the hardest to find in a Formula 1 car. Um, we know though that he's he's already tested the um, the, the Renault, the RS18, I think. Yeah, um, he got half a day in it. Yep. So he knows what a Formula One car is like. He even said, you know, the the gap between or the jump rather between Formula Three and Formula Two is a little bit. Like it's not that much you can get into car, and obviously as he's doing now, drive it very quickly. But the gap from F two to F one is like this, you know, Grand Canyon size of learning and yeah. ability and all yep. the the buttons on the steering wheel and modes and stuff. So uh, look, if he gets a test in um, Abu Dhabi at the end of the year, which I th- still think they're testing there. Uh, yeah. It might be interesting to see how he does, but certainly if he wins this F two championship, then they're going to have to 
put him somewhere. Alpine, you know, it's all on them to to do It'd be something. Crazy good to with lose him. him, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're gonna have to send him somewhere somewhere good. Let's talk about McLaren. As I said, Daniel Ricardo's pit stop. You know, it's oh. like eight and a half seconds. No good at all. It was a team mistake. Uh, the we had to talk about these the changes yeah. to the regulations to these pit stops now, don't we? Because the issue is there was an automatic sensor in the wheel gun that once the nut was done up tight enough, the green light would automatically go, yep. so that the release guy could put the car put the light on and the car would go away. Now they've changed, and we saw this with Red Bull last weekend, didn't we? Uh, or in Monza, rather, that they changed to you have to physically press a button. So you've got to feel, see the, the sensor on the wheel gun that it's tight enough, and then you've got to press the button as the wheel gun mechanic. And the jack man standing at the front then waits for that, that thumbs up to then release it. If you look back at this footage, all of the wheels are on in about two and a half seconds as yep. they are on average with McLaren. There was nothing wrong. There was no, you know, second have a crack at a wheel because someone no. something happened. It was literally the sensor yep. and the jack man not dropping the car down in front. That's it. That's what ruined so Daniel Ricciardo's third position for this weekend, and as far as I'm concerned. Compromised his whole race in one pit stop. And the frustrate. look, I get it. These things happen um, in motorsport at times. It yep. just frustrates me when Norris was so, like, Norris was driving so well, was on for the win. Danny Rick, look... Didn't really get a chance to show what he could do pace-wise because he's stuck behind this DRS train burning yep. out his tyres. Then yep. he gets into some clean air where his tyres are well past where they should be and he's been managing them the best he can for the better part of 20 laps. And then he, you know, then has Hamilton right up his ass for, you know, seven yep. or eight. And then for that to happen, he was supposed to come out in front of Signs and behind Gasly and he would have hunted Gasly down on those new set for of hearts sure. and passed him and then come out where he should have come out. So oh, it's just frustrating that he came behind, came out behind Ocon and then had to, oh, yeah. you know, it cost him, you know, I mean, on track time, it probably cost him the, what was he, 10-odd seconds behind Signs, when, uh, sorry, between behind Lando when he pitted, but he came when, you know, when push came to shove and it was him and Signs going toe-to-toe, he was 30 seconds behind Lando. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you can't make that time up, not in that, not in that category and not trying to pass that no. amount of traffic. So, geez, it hurt. But good, I mean, good for him to come forth. He did slip back to ninth at one stage. Um, he got passed by, I believe, Perez mm-hmm. and then Verstappen got past him and so did Carl, uh, Charles Leclerc and he dropped back to mm. ninth at one stage. Now, I didn't see it on mm. the track. I'm not really too sure why. But the other interesting thing for me was when Max Verstappen pitted and just as he's leaving the box, Daniel was entering his box right in front of him. So just say it was a three-second, um, you know, just say it was a three-second gap to them. I don't know how he lost so much time to Max Verstappen on that out lap and ensuing laps because he Traffic. ended up – was it traffic? Because Max traffic, had yeah. to pass it too. Or did Max traffic. just get it in better, you know, hit? Correct. Max yeah. just had some you know, free air. Yep. And you know Russia when there's traffic in the way on certain corners, it's just difficult to get past. I just think Max had it yep. where, you know, on the main straight. So it's a bit like that. qualifying where he just encountered that traffic trying to warm up his yep. tyres, you know, in the worst positions in Mosulant. So there you go. Yeah. It's not Danny Rick's weekend, is it? To no, still, no good. And to come away with fourth, excellent. Probably should oh, have had a podium. Sure. He'd oh, be, for sure. He was fuming. He wasn't fuming. He was you know, disappointed. He was disappointed. He knew that he had more, you know, yep. and it's especially to have a podium off the back of a win, you know, for him as a mental <sighs> thing as well and that confidence for the team too, 
they really could have done with it. They really could have done with Lando winning and Daniel coming in third effectively because that's what probably could have happened if they hadn't have screwed up the pit stop and, yeah. uh, and it remained dry. Obviously, that the rain happened and Lando made a mistake. But for McLaren, certainly not the result they wanted. But a te- can I look? After Sky Sports, the, sorry. Hang on. Yep. Sky Sports, just, just come here for a second. All right. Andreas Seidel is German. And he doesn't really like showing a lot of emotion at the best of times, Natalie Pinkham. So when you start saying things like, oh, I'm so sorry, Andreas, it was such a hard race for you, wasn't it? Oh, hearts are just breaking for Lando. What actually do you expect him to say? Because all he's going to say is, yeah, well, we're going to think about next week. Like stop trying to sob story stuff all the time. Pick your bloody audience and pick the guy you're talking to. It's like the pit wall. He's here. He's got a job to do. Can you just yeah. let him do his job? If you want the emotional side, talk to Zach. Don't talk to Andreas about it. Know your audience and know your bloody person. Talk to Gunter. He's got nothing to do with sports. Inside Where that. is Gunter? Inside <laughs> that. He hasn't Gunter for years. Inside that. I think Natalie Pinkham was going to hug Lando Norris after that bloody oh, they would. That interview. Oh, teddy bear. Oh, Natalie, is she break. like the Paddock's mum or something? Well, she's. I think she for the British drivers exclusively, what a surprise. Uh, well, let's talk about Lando then because, as we said at the beginning, it's about Ha ha, you know, fuck <laughs> ha ha ha. <laughs> Good. Um, I got so many beeps. I've got to see that, James. <laughs> That's five now. Um, five. <laughs> yep. You're lazy. That's what's happening. Got uh, and you're annoying me. <laughs> uh, for Lando, though, at the beginning, he was driving superbly. We said this in the yeah. pre drinks podcast. The car was yeah, in a good enough was. position. He he hunted down Signs. He didn't get a great start. Signs got a fantastic start. Uh, he hunted him down and he passed him at a good time. It was all looking pretty rosy and he was controlling that pace. When Lewis Hamilton was coming up behind him, the gap was closing a little bit because he was fuel saving. Then when he was given the okay, he built the gap again. So credit to Lando when it was dry. Yep. Yep. And he was controlling that race in exactly the right way. And for McLaren, fantastic at that point. But... He needs to listen to his team and the team need to demand him coming in. I mean, there's only so much you can do, I suppose, isn't there? I was like, please come in the pits. Oh, he hasn't. Oh, well, He's been robbed twice this year, hasn't he? Go get the spike strips. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 no good. Otherwise, got his though, watch for- stolen, got a race stolen. <laughs> <laughs> not Lando's year. For McLaren, though. No. Andreas is going to be really disappointed because they came from Zantvoort, didn't have a good performance. Oh. Came to Monza, great performance. Came here to Russia, not a good performance. Maybe if this is the pattern of Turkey in the next race in a couple of weekends' time, uh, will be a good one again. But, you know, I guess it is good to see the ability for these two McLarens to command race pace in both oh. Monza and oh. this weekend as necessary. So the Mercedes yeah. power unit. Zach and Andreas, definitely the right call getting away sure. from the Renault. I think Although it's hard to play with the result, Renault. though, isn't it? It's hard to play with the result mm. because Lando was so close and pretty faultless until, like, the last five laps. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think <laughs> in any other scenario, they go, you know what, we'll, we'll take that. I mean, I suppose Daniel wouldn't have got as far as fourth if he hadn't gone on to Inters when he did. So it's kind of two sides of that coin. But I think they'll be happy with the performance of that car. They're doing everything right. Now it's just coming down to that 
portion of luck, which Formula One happens to be, unfortunately. So they're doing mm. the right things. They're trending the right way. I think the team will be happy with this regardless of the final result, which is disappointing. But they did everything right all weekend again, and they're just stacking up good weekends after good weekends. So it will it will net positive, and they will walk away with that, hopefully third in the, the constructors. Speaking about third, I was a bit happy for Carlos Sainz getting third in this race because good yep. guy Carlos deserves a bit of good luck and happiness in a Ferrari, I think. Uh, he did a great job in qualifying yesterday, much like Russell, though, in terms of right place, right time on the track uh, for the right amount of grip. He knocked it out of the park. Uh, he, yep. At one point, though, he was out of the points, and for him to come back into the points and then get yeah. this podium position was fantastic. But Charles Leclerc and the brand new power unit, the tail of this 15% extra, or 15 rather, horsepower extra in 15th, 15 for 15. Um, Just he stayed out too long, unfortunately, on the slicks, much like Lando. We just didn't see a lot of it because obviously we're focusing in the front of the, the, the grid. But for Ferrari this weekend, not a bad result. You know, you obviously want both cars in the points, but... I think Lando was lucky. We didn't mention this as well, did we, that um, he only got a warning for crossing the white line going into the pit lane when he actually entered the pits or enters. He entered the pit lane, exited the pit lane because it was so slippery and he didn't have the, <laughs> the ability to yeah. stop, how went on the track, came back in again. Sorry, how did yeah. he not get punished for that? That uh, because is cut and dry, 10-second or stop, go. Five. Yep. That is cut and dry. The penalty for every the time. reasoning for that was the lap before there was a certain amount of grip that he expected to go into this corner and it wasn't there. Literally, that's the reason. Don't shout at me. That's uh, just what the FIA said. Uh, the Stewart said, sorry. The double and that's standards. I want But just like Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. you know, was at Silverstone. He made that decision and came in and out, in and out, and crossed the line. Got a 10-second penalty because that's that's the thing. Regardless if you have uh, yeah. control of the car or not, that's the point. You're supposed to. That's, that's why the line exists. It's a shitty rule. The lap before I made it work, this lap I didn't. I made a mistake and I should be penalised for it. Yeah. Like, serious, a, seriously. Got get a we shouldn't be talking about these issues because the FIA and Michael Massey and the race steward should be getting this stuff right. Yep, we be we want consistency across yeah. the board. Yep. Uh, it's it's hands down a penalty and he loses his point and we can laugh some more at his expense. In the only so- reason... It's Go just, no, I hate this stuff because they say it's safety. Next time we go, oh, no, well, it didn't really do this. It's, you know, it's like, come on, no, give me a you break. You know what the safety You said it yourself. When- you spoke to a guy from, that actually sits inside these things and he said, oh, there's no outside correspondence. There's, there's none of this. There's none of that. But, I mean, these bullshit decisions suggest otherwise that there's other determining factors into when they make the decisions. So We need to make yeah. sure that this is safe and that Daniel Ricciardo's engine doesn't over-rev slightly for half a second. <laughs> Uh, in, a, in an idiot yes, lap that didn't point. count. So just no, be careful, Campy. Tommy, 0. 0.01, 0.01 <laughs> second. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure Campy has that tattooed on him. Along yeah, with 0.01. Always remember. But the reason I bring it up, though, is because McLaren then both finishing in the points as a result of Norris not getting a penalty, picking up seventh and making, you know, McLaren pushing further ahead in this uh, fight for third, which they are yep. probably likely to get now on Ferrari. But, yeah, for, for Charlotte Claire and Carlos Sainz, third and 15th. Look, we said, you know, this was going to be the uh, comparison, didn't we, with Max Verstappen alongside Charles at the very back of the grid. Um, and what ended up being Bottas, too, of course, got announced after we put the podcast out that Bottas was taking a new engine for whatever reason, dumb decision, yeah. Mercedes, uh, and pushed him all the way back. But Leclerc's this extra power, I didn't really see it 
coming to fruition, Campy. It wasn't like this magic, you know, silver bullet to their problem, was it? No, I think well, he had to take the new. We didn't really get to see much of him uh, at the start of the race when you, you know, when, when it was optimum, really, did we? So no, no. That's Max was fetched him pretty quick, didn't he? Max yeah. just flew past him, so that just set it all for me. It was like if this car was as fast as it was supposed to be, he would have given Max a little bit of trouble. But yeah, it didn't obviously didn't get to see much of it. But I don't know, maybe working at some kinks, or maybe it was just paired with the wrong aero package or something for this. Who knows? To be honest. Classic um, Ferrari. Classic Ferrari. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's talk about Red Bull then because Verstappen in second and Perez in ninth, which is interesting because Perez had at one point a very good run getting through the field, trying to push closer to the podium position, and then he just dropped back again. He's not being the rear gunner that Red Bull need him to be. No. But Max Verstappen, yeah. 20th to second. You know, it's better than 20th to third with Valtteri Bottas at Monza. It's one place further. That is yep. a big Deal. Max has tap and take a bow. Uh, talk about trying to do that damage limitation is what Christian oh. Horner's favorite w- two words all weekend were. <laughs> uh, and they couldn't have dreamt for a better result, Tommy T, could they? No. Nah. To be back after after this weekend when they were just like, Mercedes is going to walk away with it. We've got two reasons that we're at the back of the grid anyway. We were the most back. After everyone else took their penalties, we're still the back, basically. Um, to walk away with second is unbelievable. Um, yeah, yeah he, he's mit- he mitigated all that loss to, what, now two points behind Lewis after a win. Yes. Which is not what Lewis wants to hear, hey? Is no. You won that race and he's still on your tail. Like it, It's quite literally the difference between like fourth and fifth now um, in, a, in a race result and you are back in front. So – Outstanding from Max. We knew he had the potential. We just were unsure of how easy it would have been to pass, but he made it look pretty easy, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, as Max Verstappen does, though, doesn't he? He does. Like yes. in terms of the most confident driver and Campy, that car looked really, really good under braking. You know, yeah. sending it late sends into corners and just were like dispatching cars, you know, quicker than anything else. Yeah, as I said earlier in the podcast, they had a bit of downforce strapped onto the car so that they could use the engine braking and that, you know, that high downforce to generate the extra, um, you know, the extra braking, uh, force under braking that I need to make those passes, hence why hence why he's able to do so so much easier than Perez was, I think. Uh, completely different car yeah. setups, but... Uh, I mean, he got lucky, didn't he? But this is what it's the first time I'm going to say it. I haven't said it all year. This this is why Red Bull's going to win the drivers' uh, championship this year, and Max Verstappen will. They just don't seem to be making the mistakes where where Mercedes is. I know Lewis won. You didn't leave any points on the table, but it should never have been like that, really, should it? I mean, Max was really deadlocked behind Danny Rick in about seventh position, and that's probably where yep. the race would have finished. Um, unfortunately, I mean, he got lucky with the with with the conditions, but this is why they're going to win it because they're just not making these mistakes off track. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, there's about 30 points between the drivers' champion – sorry, between the constructors' championship. Between Mercedes yeah, I don't think they'll win the constructors, but Ripple. they'll win the drivers. Yep. Yeah, that'll be an interesting time, won't it, for Mercedes to win constructors and Red Bull <laughs> to win driver, which yeah. is, we just haven't seen that for ages. You know, it's been no. driver and constructor, driver, constructor, driver, constructor for Seb onwards, you know. It's, yeah. it's been a bit ridiculous. Uh, okay, Mercedes, Valtteri Bottas, as I said before, he took an engine penalty after qualifying for whatever reason. It felt very dodgy to me, Tommy T. What were they doing to our boy? 
Surely not dodgy. Uh, that would be a weird way. Sure, I, I think that's too far, but it is suspect, I guess, when you look at when it happened. I think, I suppose they just don't care now with Bottas. They're like, you're a pawn in our game. You will do as we wish. We will put you where we want. So maybe you're right, but it's pretty nefarious, I think. <laughs> um, it he, just kind of looked like to me that they were using him as a pawn further down to hold Max up. That. That's what it looks like to me. Well, we push you further back, then you'd be racing Max sooner. Yeah, Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Maybe I'm just like, start, he was going to have to race Max now. anyway eventually, do you start, know what I mean, from wherever he was. Starting eighth and he was always going to take points off Verstappen anyway. Yeah. So That's what I would have thought. Yeah. And you would have probably hoped Bottas could have had a second if he had a not started back there. Like they could have had a one-two, like in the Bottas end. Bottas has gone through about seventeen engines, though. At this point, this is the yeah. problem for power unit. That's why I don't understand. Like he's he's taken another one so soon. No, yeah, exactly. Look, you look at this after Q two, five tenths in front of Hamilton after Q two. It's wet. He's looking like he's gonna go yeah. walk onto a pole, you know, a pole position again two weeks in a row after Monza, and yeah. uh, then what happens in? Q3, you know, he's comparable with Hamilton. He gets a bank arena. I think he's within a half a tenth a second of him. They're looking like, Mercedes looking like a pole is in the bag here, one, two, stream away for the weekend. And then Lewis has a little mishap and his whole weekend is ruined. You know, gets held up in the pits, doesn't get to warm up his new tyres, doesn't get a real shot at Q1, setting his best time, then grid penalty and then, Jeez, passed by Verstappen and, mate, you got a feel for the guy, don't you? Mercedes yeah. have done absolutely nothing for him in nah. the, particularly this year. I don't, yeah. That man is an island in that Mercedes vehicle, isn't he? He's just yeah, blind himself. Yeah. But let's talk about Hamilton, though, because this is very impressive. 100 race victories yeah. is a lot of race victories. And after watching the Michael Schumacher documentary, I think I'm maybe now starting to think that Lewis Hamilton is actually more of the GOAT than Michael is and because it's just ridiculous. Obviously, he's had a strong team. He's had a strong car. But as I said earlier in the podcast, I'm actually really starting to like Lewis again. Something's happened this year. And maybe it's the competition from Max, genuinely, because he has been more real out of the car. In his press conferences, he's been genuine. Every single time when something hasn't gone his way, he hasn't just thrown the toys out of the cot like he's done in previous years. There's been genuine ad- admiration for Lewis. Uh, sorry, for, for the Max rivalry that's been going on. Uh, I, it's, just, it's just an observation. I think he yeah. you know, deserves a look in for the GOAT for 100 victories is a mega job, so. Tommy T. He, he is for me. I think, I mean, I'm obviously of that young generation. I think obviously, and Campy will hate this, that LeBron is the GOAT <laughs> and it's not Michael, which... <laughs> The Michaels are just overrated in both sports, to be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but I think he's. <laughs> I've just. You better get your pen out to mark this gym. Oh, I'll swear again, all right? Just. I'll let Tommy finish <laughs> and then I'll go for it. <laughs> I'll get my pen out. I love this. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> lucky, we're not, lucky we're not monetized already. Otherwise, we'd yeah. be delisted immediately. That's it. Yeah, no, I right, think go on. Hamilton is making a great case for the greatest this sport's ever seen. Um, obviously, the machinery was way, way different back then, but. Mm. These cars are incredibly hard to drive from what we understand. Um, and he's just doing it back-to-back in situations he shouldn't. Like we've seen him come from the back of the grid and get wins. The guy is just a winner and he just con- consistently does it again and again and again. 
I, he's kind of undeniable as the, as the goat for me. Um, he's the best that this sport's ever seen, and he's still driving. He's not even finished his career yet, and he's already the best. He's been knighted before he's retired. I think that's a, a, and a he's fair had a kind straight of, at Silverstone named after him, and he's driving on it like that. Doesn't yeah, happen like that either. doesn't happen. Like in most sports, you have to retire for a certain amount of time before you're like. Yep. Put in the Hall of Fame and stuff. If if there was a Hall of Fame for the Formula One, I don't know, if he is actually, but he would be in there as a as a still playing kind of member. That's insane. He's he's unbelievable. I on the live stream says, look at the look of disgust on Campy's face. Yes, you're not wrong. <laughs> Let me just caveat this with saying we are not a Lewis Hamilton, you know, British wankfest kind of podcast. No. It is just undeniable to look at this many victories and how oh. he's performing out of the car this year to say, all right, he's changed a little bit from last year. Yeah. All right, Campy, look, I've got my pen out for no, the timestamp no, whenever we go. Here we go. Look, I don't look, I don't think Lewis is the greatest driver we've ever seen. Uh results wise, clearly the best results. Right place, right time. Uh moving to that Mercedes. Um but again, he's been beaten at times before. So got beat by Rosberg, which it's not a good little stat on the uh on the uh on the greatest of all time sheet. Look, he is just, hey, look, he does things behind a drawing wheel that shock me at times and just, he writes these stories and it's unbelievable. As for LeBron being the goat, Tommy T, you absolute <laughs> dipshit. That guy chokes at every stage of his career and has to go back for a second and third time to get it right. MJ is MJ is God, right? LeBron. Oh. I've had an idea yeah. for the podcast, James. Santa's the best we driver go- we've ever seen. Santa's the goat. We should have Put Senna a, a in this Mercedes debate. the last seven years. No one would have touched him for seven years. Tommy T, you don't have an opinion if Campy shouts louder. Sorry, no, what did you that's say? True. <laughs> what podcast are we doing? The GOAT podcast? We should do the GOAT podcast where we talk about who's the GOAT of F1 and we all have Ex- to Exclusively share LeBron our, James. And <laughs> share our thoughts. <laughs> See if Campy can, can, can dial it in. If Campy can conform to a debate format instead of just yelling louder. <laughs> That's what wins debates, Tommy. Uh, well, lads, so that's our team-by-team team analysis. <laughs> it's going well. Uh, look, uh, that's, our, as I said, a team-by-team team analysis. Thank you for that. All right, let's go through our fantasy names. Uh, this is a good one. There are heaps. There's stacks. I know some of you aren't totally stoked on this part of the segment. Uh, sorry, this segment of the podcast. Uh, so here's you, you can tune out from now if you like. But uh, people who love it, here we go. In Russia, car spin you, Steen N. Two out of three Aussies ain't bad, Alex B. A win is Good. better than pole, Raymond. <laughs> I go zooming off. Patrick T, that's actually my favourite. I think I go zooming off. That's, that was that's good. Uh, Lando on his hard tyres. Ha, 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 so close yet so far, Lando, Jonathan C. <laughs> Nikita's Sochi bad driver. James good. M, very good. Sochio Drift, Haley H. Tommy T is going to roast my beans, Byron H. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in a hurry or just Russian? That's a very good dad nice. joke, Josh L. Uh, dangerous weekend to be a power unit, Michael S. That's true. That's sizable. Campy 2021, Aaron B. <laughs> Actually, this is my favourite, I've just decided. My kink is campy getting vaxxed. Nicholas H. I, I don't really get that. Can you explain <laughs> Wow. Not everyone Different is Brad podcast. Binder. Karim, 
Putin up the umbrella, Lydia S. Kit kissing Good. Putin's house, Thomas B. Williams, nicest grid on the team. Seamus, yes, you're not wrong. Uh, and right, a shout-out no. to you, Reese. Long-time listeners, first-time fantasy oh, name Thanks, Reese. It's it's good news. Uh, I haven't updated where we are in the standings, but it's undoubtedly Tommy T ahead. No. Uh, although Sons was, left- was my turbo driver. So. Oh, well, we're just going to say Dude, you've left that in front. I was for a winner. I you had- were too. Oh, I was going to kill it and then, yeah, nothing went my way. Lando screwed it. I had him turboed as well. <laughs> Me also, if that makes you feel any better, which it doesn't because I am definitely out of this whole bloody thing now. But I love these fantasy names. Thanks for taking the time to, to log on and, and do that. As I said, you don't have to win to be a winner. Uh, the best fantasy names are going to receive some merch like this. I've got the Legends t-shirt on uh, today. It says Jack which is probably convenient if Jack Doohan gets in there as well, then we don't have yeah. to have two Jacks. Jack, Alan, Mark, Daniel, and Oscar, because we're looking ahead to, to know that we've called it going to be an F1 champion. Tommy T designing all of our merch, uh, and he's very, very good at all of that. Well, lads, thank you to you, and thanks to you for listening or watching. Um, you can grab the merch, as I said, from our store. That helps support the show significantly. Yeah, but if you don't want to spend money and you want to support the show, hop over to our YouTube and subscribe. It honestly costs you nothing and it makes the biggest difference to us. We are already talking about some very cool and interesting things to do on YouTube for next year. You're going to want to be involved with that. Don't uh, don't miss out on that sort of stuff. Um, we're on Instagram as well. As I said, you can, is- you can interact with us over there. Uh, and a shout out to you for leaving a review if you've done that. Lads, we're going to Turkey in two weekends' time. For Danny Rick Campy, what do you think we can expect? Uh, a win. It's so long to think about that. A win and fast slap, why not? And Tommy T, what do you think? (laughs) Um, I don't know. This is where Weber got his first win. So, Uh again, it's a track that's difficult to pass. Danny Rick gets it right in quality, gets out in front, holds up both Mercedes and both Red Bulls and romps at home to win. It's going to be awesome. Oh, it's going to be great. Well, lads, looking forward to that. Uh, of course, next week, Monday, 5.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time, we're going to do another team radio podcast and Ask Us Anything style of podcast. Uh, I will be putting up an Instagram poll so you can ask some questions over the next couple of days. Otherwise, jump across to our Discord. You'll find the team radio questions part where you can pop a question in there and the three of us will answer them next Monday, 5.30 on the live stream. Well, lads, thanks so much to you. And again, thanks to you for watching. It's time to end. We'll see you next week. You also got uh, called out Billy Four Eyes. Weber got his first win in Germany, can't be. Oh, was it? Oh, oh no. <laughs> You're a loser. Is really? No, I could have sworn it was turkey. You're a loser. Mate, the amount of stuff you just yeah. <laughs> make up on the spot. <laughs> At least you make it up on the spot now instead of umming and ahhing about it.